The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, today our show is a little bit different. It's about being comfortable in life, and a lot of that has to do with wealth. And when you're comfortable in life, you deal more easily with your conflicts, obviously, we know that people in uh, have when they have a great deal of financial problems, conflict arises as well. So today we're going to actually be speaking with someone who's very adept at financial advice, and we're speaking with Jeffrey Gitterman, who happens to be the author of Beyond Success, Redefining the Meaning of Prosperity. Let me tell you a little bit about his background. He's an award-winning financial advisor and CEO of Gitterman and Associates Wealth Management, LLC. He's also the founder of Beyond Success, which is, you can go to www.beyondsuccessconsulting.com. It's a consulting company and coaching company that brings holistic ideas to the world of business and finance. And we know that when you're thinking holistically, you're thinking in a way that helps to problem solve, not only in the financial area, but in the relationship area. So the name of his book, Beyond Success, Redefining the Meaning of Prosperity, has a lot to do with just how you live your life holistically. Over the past several years, Jeff has been featured in Money Magazine, CNN, AM New York, fin Financial Advisor, uh, Affluent Magazine, The Star Ledger, London Glossy, New Jersey Business Journal, and many others. In 2004, he was honored by Fortune Small Business Magazine as one of the best bosses, which is always nice to know. And Jeff also serves as chairman of the advisory board of the Autism Center of New Jersey Medical School. That's an organization that has raised over a million dollars for autism research and support services. So he's he's trying to be a holistic person and and um, I think it's really wonderful. And so you can find out more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com. And also you can see his picture and we link to his website at beyondsuccessconsulting.com. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us from across the country. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, Mari. So how is it that you wrote this book? Why is it that you wrote this book? The main reason I wrote it is because that we found in my own personal life and, and in all our research and, and studies that people have this idea that when they make a certain amount of money, life is going to become 
fulfilled and they're going to reach this kind of plateau where that inner emptiness that a lot of people feel is going to disappear. And what we find over and over again is that money just does not fill that hole. So really wanted to get at the root of what real success and prosperity is and try to take it away from this idea that we can just do that with money. And, you know, I was really interested in what you were saying about money having a lot to do with conflict because, you know, it's just so true that we measure, unfortunately, people by their financial situation and, and therefore people don't show up as they really are when they have a big lack of money. Or, or sometimes, unfortunately, they show up um, full of themselves when they have too much money. So it, it does certainly get in the way of relating in a big way. And we did a lot of about that in our consulting firm. And, and we actually do talk about that in the book as well. Right. So I know that my clients, when they have big financial problems, they also have big relationship problems with the ones that are close to them. And so money and and conflict really have a lot to do with each other. But when you're living at a holistic life, which you seem to talk about in your book, which is wonderful, by the way, I mean, it seems like you're trying to find some balance. So why do you think people measure success by how much money they earn? Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's our society's measuring stick. You know, it's not true in every society. So... Uh, we can't look at it as a human condition. We really have to look at it as a subcondition of capitalism. And, and capitalism has driven our society to measure everything in money uh, terms. And that's what keeps capitalism going because, you know, the more you have, the more capitalism thrives, uh, even though you don't need it or want it. So the whole drive of capitalism is more people purchasing more goods and that keeps the whole wheel turning. So our whole entire society, our whole social system is based on money as the measuring stick. And and it's really up to the individual human being to break out of that. It's 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 not you know, we can we can wish and hope, but our society isn't gonna change until the people within our society change. Right. And money sure doesn't bring happiness necessarily. You know, I've had lots of clients that have gone through my mediated divorces that had lots of money and they had everything to go for. They had healthy kids, lots of money, and yet the conflict was just there. The, the relationship, the, the ability to relate, to to see that there was something deeper in life than than having that money, What it's it, it really doesn't always bring happiness, does it? No, not not at all. And I, I tell this all the time. I know plenty of people, you know, at the poverty level that are very happy. And I know plenty of people who are making millions who are miserable. So it, it is no measure of the personal inner fulfillment of a human being. And yet our society continues to try to use it as the measuring stick. I mean, we could just see by all the Hollywood people that, you know, even after they've you know, gotten all the popularity, all the fame, and all the money, they still seem to be starved for attention. And it's just, you know, not it's not fulfilling. It, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't make you feel any more perfect and whole if you didn't feel perfect and whole before the money. Exactly. So in your book, Beyond Success, you state that your uh, financial company is based on a model that you call the four pillars of successes. And um, what are those four pillars of success? 
Well, we call them CORE, uh, C-O-R-E. Uh, helps me in my old age remember it. But <laughs> it I love mnemonics. Connecting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's connecting to source, owning your unique expression, redirecting your attention forward, and expanding your awareness outward and to include others. And, and in a nutshell, um, we can touch on each four quickly if you have the time. Um, yes, go ahead. Basically, connect, connecting to source is a way of training your attention. Now, uh, it, it's very similar to meditation, but meditation comes in, in many different forms. And meditation, prayer, and, and yoga are all considered ways of quieting the mind. But in, in what we're talking about in is is really going inward to watch your own attention span. And the, the only way to do that is to put your attention on your thoughts. And if you spend about 15 minutes every morning just watching your own thoughts, you learn pretty quickly that your emotional states are really changing and fluctuating on a regular basis depending on the random thoughts that are going through your head. And if you're constantly chasing these random thoughts in your head, uh, then you don't have very much control of your attention. And then anything outside of you that is kind of fluxing or going up and down or, or you know, demanding your attention, uh, you know, whether it's corporate media or your BlackBerry or texting, is just beyond your control. You have no control to really decipher what you're going to pay attention to. So you wind up being dragged around life rather than having control of your life. Exactly. So in your um in one of the pillars you have here, you you talk about practicing silence. What what do you mean by this? And you know, I mean, I understand it. I meditate all the time. So I, for me, I understand it, but I'm wondering if what you, what you mean means the same thing for my clients and my audience that's listening. Well, it, you know, it, it's really important to, to clarify this because a lot of people give up meditation on the first try because they say, I can't be silent. There's too much chatter going on. In my head. And, and that's not the, the point. The point isn't to stop the chatter in your because you can't do that. It's an impossible task. Your, your mind is on its own timetable and has its own engine. Uh, you're not in control of it. It just has random thoughts going through it all day, and there's no way to stop that or control it. So what the practice of, of silence is, is just watching those thoughts. So what we typically do during the day is we make unconscious decisions about which of the random thoughts that are going through our head we want to chase down and create whole big colorful stories around, you know, whether it's, oh my God, my credit card bill's late, or how am I going to keep doing this job, which I hate. You know, it might be one of a hundred thoughts that goes by that you latch onto and create a whole story around. And what we're trying to do in meditation or in practicing silence, allow those thoughts to just come in and out of your head with no attachment. And if you can stop the attention span from attaching to the thoughts, then you can start to get a lot more control of your emotional states because your emotional states follow your thoughts. And, you know, people forget that they are in charge of their thoughts. So when you're talking about, okay, so somebody starts worrying, oh, my credit card, card bills are, are escalating. So obviously there's something you need to do about it, but by worrying about it and saying that, you're doing nothing. So another thought you could say is, I, I need to sit down and I need to make a time to work on my billing and my credit cards. And I'm going to do that. And for right now, I'm going to let it go 
and I'm going to just make that time and I'm going to address it then. And I'm going to think a positive thought in th- instead. People forget that their, their, their chatter or their monkey mind is, is in charge, is not in charge if they don't allow it to be in charge, right? Oh, absolutely. The mind makes a, a great servant and a horrible master. Yes. <laughs> But we have um, that you know, ability. We, and, yeah, we, we actually can. I mean, you can, I've, I've talked about this I, well, so many times with my kids. I said, you know, oh, I'm so upset about this. And I go, I know this has been a challenge. But just think of this as what a great opportunity and how it's wonderful it's going to be when you get through this and when you can look back and say that you were able to overcome this. Everything in life happens for a reason. So if you teach yourself to say those kinds of things to yourself, then you can change that negative chatter, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually, in the third pillar, we give people kind of a replacement um, thought process uh, because it's it's easier to replace it than it is to try to stop it. So if you have right. like a go-to, you know, it's almost like uh, if you're a smoker, you have a fake cigarette that you right. play with when you, when you have that craving. So we give people a replacement thought process. Uh, to go to when the negative thoughts start taking over, um, and, and we can we can talk about that in, in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about it right now since you just brought it up? And it reminded okay, me so of we'll... like when my when my dog has the wrong thing, like if he steals a towel, and then I go get his toy and I put the toy in his mouth, or like a baby when a baby grabs something you know that they shouldn't be grabbing, and they get you just give them something else. It's it's just that idea of replacing, and then you're giving them some tool. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and it's important because it really does work, and it makes it a lot easier to break the pattern of uh, negative thoughts. And and it's hard, but you know they say it takes almost a thousand times to change a neuron path. So if if you have a constant neuron path to worry, and you want to change that, uh, you've got to take a thousand times where you divert your attention from that negative worrying thoughts to these positive thoughts. Um, you know, it sounds like a lot, but if you're doing it 40 or 50 times a day, you can hit a 1,000 pretty quickly. Right. And, uh, what we do is we have people make a movie. Um, now, this is not a real movie. It's a mental movie. And it's a day in the life of you three years from now doing what you want to be doing in as big a way as possible. So, you know, for instance, you're on a radio show now, maybe your dream is to be the next Oprah. So your movie that you play would you would be, you know, getting up for work, going out to the TV studio, briefing with the guests, meeting with the producers. You'd see the whole picture. And it would be a quick picture, something you could play, you know, in, in two or three minutes. And it would just be this constant loop that you go to whenever you find yourself, you know, pondering, worrying, fretting about something negative. And also, this is critical, every night before you go to bed, the last thing you play is this little movie about a perfect day in the life of you three years from now. And in as much detail and sensory expression as possible, and it can't be about you getting more stuff. So it can't be about you driving a nicer car, living in a bigger house. It's got to be about you expressing your creativity in the world in as big a way as possible. And, and that is for you to really do your sense of purpose, right? When, you know, your purpose in life, fulfilling something that is greater than you. That- uh, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we add to that something. Our, for instance, our definition of success is when your creative expression is aligned in service to the world. Right. So when, when you're bringing your passion and purpose 
to something that actually serves to make the world a better place, that is, that's perfect success and prosperity and fulfillment all wrapped into one. And that has nothing to do with any dollar figure. Right. And, and so when you take that purpose and you turn that into that vision that you were just talking about, that helps you to kind of create that reality, right? I remember years ago reading the book Creative Visualization by Shaki Gawain, and she talks about that. Oh, thing. yeah. Yeah. I have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah all uh, all those, like The Secret and all these books that are that are saying that um, th- that all the prophets had said for many, many years is that see it and you'll believe it and and create it in your mind, and, and you will create that vision, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't mean to correct the whole stuff, but, but believe it and you'll see it. Yeah, oh, yeah, thank you. Did I, right, did right, I say right, it backwards? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it correctly, but I said it backwards, yeah. Right, Believe right. it you and know, you'll see it, I right. mean, because that's the old adage. The old yeah. adage is, you know, that, I mean, that's a common way of saying right, it. Right, right. And, and you believe it. But what we're trying to get people to do, and, and I know that's what you meant, is, is, you know, believe it first. Because if you don't believe it's possible, you can never see it. And the best example that I like to give of that, because this is a factual, historical um, experience, is when the pilgrims first landed at Plymouth Rock, and they came ashore in their rowboats, and they anchored their ships out, you know, a few hundred yards from, from shore. The Indians that they met thought they were gods, because they saw them come out of nowhere. And they couldn't see the ships. They saw the boats, because they had a frame of reference or small boats. But when they looked out in the ocean, they actually saw mountains out there or, you know, big rocks. They didn't right. see ships. And one by one, the, the pilgrims had to take the Indians out on the small boats to the big boats, bring them on the big boat, show them around, and then they can see the boats. Right. Before that, they couldn't. So what we're saying, believe it, and then you'll see it. I mean, it has actual... You know, there's many other historical references to this, but it, it has real historical reference. It's the same thing when they found in the Australian outback. They they started showing some of the Aborigines pictures of themselves, and and all they saw was a blurry, um, you know, a very blurry piece of paper. They had no frame of reference to their own faces. They had no mirrors or anything. So the mind is such an unbelievably intricate tool that if it doesn't believe something it can't see it. Right. So so if you're going through life and you don't believe that something's possible for you and you haven't ingrained that into your own mind, then there's no way for you to even see the opportunities that are out in front of you that can possibly allow for that to occur. You are blind to them. Yes. So we have to train the mind to believe that you can be more than you are already before you can be more than you are already. A great example of this is when my kids and I used to be in the car when they were little, and I would always find a parking spot, even if we were at Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm or any place like that. They go, Mom, what are you doing? You're going right up to the front. And I said, we're going to find a place to park right in front. And we always would <laughs> because I believed it. And, and that's just a... Something that that always That's happens. That's a parking lot angel. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have a parking lot angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I went to get my hair done yesterday in Laguna Beach, and Laguna Beach, you could never find a place to park. And uh, sure enough, found right in front, right in front. So. That's, I, I really am a believer in that. When you believe it, you will see it always. So let's you talk know, about... What we, what we add, you know, what we don't like about a lot of the work that's currently out there is that it, 
everything in this life has a balance to it. So if you're really trying really hard to just get something, I'm not saying that you won't get it because a lot of times this will this will work. You know, you'll right. like like in some of those books that you're talking about, you you keep thinking about thinking about thinking about it, and you get it, but then it comes with all kinds of negative consequences on the other side of it um, because this life is just a perfectly balanced world. But when you're trying to bring something new into the world, when you're trying to bring more of your creative expression in service to the world, that doesn't create any negative karma. Right. Because you're not taking anything from the world. Right. So it, it's really critical in our coaching program that everything that you're doing is about you expressing more of your creative energy out into the world in as big a way as possible. That and, and always for good. In, in more money or anything like that, great, but that's not the focus. It's about doing good in the world. And when you're doing good in the world, then it's going to manifest in that kind of way. And like you were talking about karma, good stuff coming back. We are speaking yeah. with Jeffrey Gitterman, who is the author of Beyond Success, and it's a great book. And, you know, I was one of the little quotes that you had in here I really liked when it, it reminded me of all the people that I deal with when they're in conflict. And, and you say here, um, have some faith that the universe has brought you and the other person together for a more important reason than what you can get out of it in the moment. So when even if you're in conflict with someone, that really is a lesson. It's a gift. There's a gift of growth in there. And so when you talk about this, it kind of reminded me about that, that everyone that you meet, there is some important reason. There's something that, that you are meant to do, something that you are meant to experience, even with this economy. And I guess we should kind of move on to that. Like, all right, you being a financial and a wealth advisor, this must be a really tough time for you, <laughs> dealing with all the fears and the concerns that all your clients have and all the, the volatility of the market. How do you deal with that? Uh, you know, my, my clients call me a, a buoy in a violent ocean. <laughs> so I, I mean, you could probably tell from my voice, but I'm just an incredibly calm person. And I mean, it's just a gift. I don't know why I was born this way, but but I, I was. And I really, you know, actually thrive in in moments like this because I think that my job is to keep my my clients calm. I mean, we we kind of tell this quick story at seminars about what is a financial planner's job. I like to say that you know, imagine a roller coaster, and the track of the roller coaster is the stock market, and the car that you're riding in is the vehicles, the different investment vehicles that you use to navigate the constant roller coaster, which is the, the different markets that you might be in. And I'm that safety bar that gets slammed down on your lap when you get in the car. I'm the person that keeps you from jumping off the tracks at the wrong time and from making wrong you know, or, or not very smart investment decisions while that track is constantly going up or down because we let our emotions and our fears get away from us. When when the market's going down, we think it's going to go down forever. And when the market's going up, we think it's going to go up forever. And, and neither side is true. And I earn my living when it's doing one of the more erratic things. That's when I really earn my living, not when it's kind of running along smoothly. Then, then my job is, is easy and anyone can do it. But when the market's dropping 700 points in a day, that's when I get to really earn my living. 
Really? And that's when you call your clients and say, it's okay. And you have this wonderful yeah, voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of advisors don't. And I mean, the best advice I can give advisors, I get more referrals in a down market than I do in an up market by far. It's not even comparable because in a down market, I'm constantly calling my clients and making proactive decisions about the market. And that alone is enough to generate referrals because when my client's talking to his neighbor and his neighbor's saying, oh my God, the market's tanking. I couldn't even get my broker on the phone today. When my client turns to that person and says, really? My advisor called me this morning and said, are you okay? Are you worried about the markets? I wanted to talk to you about it a little bit. Right there is when I get my referrals. Exactly. And in talking about believe it and you'll see it, I think the whole craziness of the market is that people are just thinking fear and that is creating this chaos, isn't it? Just that, that we're thinking wrong and that is really well, the emotional stuff too. I would even take it, I would agree with you and take it a step further. I, I would say that we live in a society where we're all taking so much from the world that we can't help but believe in a society of lack. Mm. Um, you know, we're all so much more concerned with what we can get out of the world than if, you, if everyone keeps doing that, then the world's going to run out of stuff to get. And if the most important goal I have is to get as much stuff as possible, then the more the world looks like it's running out of stuff, the more scared and panicky I'm going to be. But if I really wake up every day more concerned about what I'm passionate about, what I'm creative about, and how I can make the world a better place, if that's my purpose and passion, those people don't even notice the up and down gyrations of the market. They don't notice the problems. Those are the people that see problems and then think of solutions. And I love what you say here in the book. You say, if you don't take on full faith that you are creating the life you are living and you are the principal author of your own destiny, you will remain a helpless audience member watching your own life go by. And we are just about out of time, so I just want to um, mention your book again, Jeff. It's uh, Jeffrey Gitterman's book, Beyond Success. And Jeff, why don't you just give your website again? Yeah, it's beyondsuccessconsulting.com and the book's available on Amazon and in Kindle. Well, thank you so much. And we will have you back again. And I heard one of my interviews, I, one of the women told me that we should all be like a thermostat rather than a thermometer. And I love that, just I, staying centered. I thought that was great. So I can that feel is, that, that from is you, great. isn't it? Okay. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. And thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Please join us every week and visit our website at conflicthealing.com and write us emails about what's important to you about getting peace in your own life. Thanks. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.